years and years ago at, at my home church, when I was in the youth ministry and then later on as I, as I got a little bit older, I, I was able to continue to participate in an annual event. And this event had nothing spiritual about it at all. This was a church event that probably should not have been a church event. It was just something that we did for fun. No spiritual redemption whatsoever. Uh, no purpose for that. But we rented out a huge cabin, and huge with two floors and bunk beds and all this stuff all over the place, at Otter Creek Park, just on the outskirts of Louisville. And, and we went to for one purpose, and that was to stay up as late as we could, eat as much food and drink as many soft drinks as possible, wait for it to get dark, and play something that we called the dark game. Now, some of you have played Capture the Flag before, and this was Capture the Flag in the pitch black in the middle of a cabin that we, had, we knew nothing about. And so we would divide up teams and and, and we would play literally all night. From the time that it got dark until the time the sun came up, uh, we would continue to drink as much Big Red soda as we could. That was the drink of choice. And we would eat as many cookies and pizza and all of that. And then we would crawl around on the floor for seven or eight hours and, and try to capture the flag. And the way the game works is in a room about this size or so, you'd have one flashlight at that end and you'd have another flashlight at this end and two teams that are trying to get each other's flashlight to capture the flag, and it's pitch black, and there's a concrete chimney right in the middle, <laughs> and there are benches around everywhere, and big red cans laying all over the floor, and the goal is to be as quiet as possible and get to the other side and turn on that flashlight and celebrate that you made it through to the other side, and of course, the scariest part was when the lights went out, all the team, the other team would just rearrange all the furniture. So you had memorized where everything was, and then you hear it all scooting around. And, and of course, you would hear somebody who had never played the game before, and they figured, I'm just going to get there as fast as I can. And so they take off running when the lights go out. <laughs> and of course, it wasn't too long before somebody snuck up on them and tagged them, and that's how you got the other team out. We would play this, though, and called it the dark game. We had such a, a, a really fun time, and, and that's something that I remember from years and years ago. You know, the truth is, though, that many of us today arrive, and we're playing in the dark, but it's not a game, because your life is really dark. And, and you say, well, yeah, that sounds kind of fun, and, you know, as a teenager, I'm sure that would be kind of cool to play, and... And it's, it's humorous now as I look back and I remember people crashing into things in the middle of the night in a dark room. And, you know, but life, life isn't funny. You're playing the dark game in life. It's not a game. It's, it's your life. And some of us today, unbeknownst to many people here, we show up and we've got lots and lots and lots of darkness going on. The key to the dark game was to have somebody with you who'd been there before. Somebody that you could follow through and help to navigate. And I remember being one of those people, and we would kind of line up, and we'd all kind of go through, and the person in the front, they, they'd played this before. They knew how to do it. And the same is true in life. You need somebody who knows how to navigate you through the darkest spots that you're going to find. And that's what we'll see in the Scripture today. If you've got a Bible handy, or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet, you can scan the little code there that's on the sheet. We'll put the Scripture up on the screen we give you every opportunity. You've got no excuse not to read the scripture at least a little bit this morning while you're sitting in church. So turn or get to Psalm chapter 23. I want to read the whole psalm first just to give you some, 
some summary of where we've been and where we're going. We're in the third of four sermons on Psalm 23 in a series called All That I Need. And here's what it says in Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. Some versions will say, I I shall not want. I shall not be in want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now look at the handout for the sermon. I want want you to see this in some different translations, many of, of which you'll be very familiar with. We've done this each week just to give us an idea of how this is rendered in a variety of translations. Look at the New International Version. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The New American Standard. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. The New Living Translation. Even when I walk through the the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. The message, a paraphrase, says this, Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. And then the scripture that I just read, Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Our series theme, you'll see there at the bottom of that handout, has been very simple, based upon the first verse in this great, great psalm. Our our theme is, the Lord is in charge of my life, so I have all that I need. And I repeat that each week, honestly, because I don't think that most people believe it. I, I don't think even that many folks who claim to follow Jesus Christ truly believe that in Him we have all that we need, that He's enough. I don't say that to put any shame. I just say that to say, I'm not sure we truly believe what we say that we believe. These two young ladies this morning came to say, I give my life to Jesus and I'm going to show it. And I want them to know as I want you to know that you've got all you need in Christ Jesus. He is enough. End of story, period. The Lord is in charge of my life. He's my shepherd, my king, my ruler, my guide, my director. And as a result, the scripture says, there's nothing that I lack. I have all that I need. Now the main idea today really starts with with verse 4 there even when I go even when and even though some versions say even when this happens even though this happens I will trust my shepherd. I'm going to trust the Lord even when. I'm going to trust the Lord even though. And this morning honestly that's just the challenge. I I could close in prayer some of you say amen but I I I, I, I just want you to get that part. That even when, even when what? Even when whatever. 
even though, even though what, even though whatever happens, I will trust my shepherd, even when and even though. Why? Because he gives me security. In him, I have security. Here's what, here's what David says in this psalm. Even when I go through the darkest valley. Now, David, of course, if you know anything about his story, you know, at the time that he wrote this, he was the king of Israel. But previously in his life, he was a shepherd. And so it's no surprise that he writes in shepherd language. He, he understands that. It makes very good sense to him. It's why I talk about baseball a lot, because I don't know how to talk about anything else. I could tell you about fixing cars, but I'd be making it up. I could tell you about farming, but you'd laugh. I, I, I don't know anything else. David talks about what he knows, and he puts it in terminology that is so incredible. Even when I go through the darkest valley, David knew that as a shepherd, sometimes in order to get to those green pastures and those quiet waters, sometimes the shepherd has to take the sheep through a dark valley. Now he's referring here to a very deep ravine with high cliffs on each side. There'd be hot and heavy air down in the, in the bottom. It's dry and, and, and it's, it's just tough to get through it. And on the sides are these tall cliffs produce shadows as they block out the sun. This dark, dark valley. And sometimes maybe they were filled with a dense forest and just kind of creepy. Just kind of scary. And you don't know what's lurking in the background and you're just not quite sure of it. And you don't have what you need. As a sheep, there was no grass, there's no water, and it's tough to keep going. And David knows that sometimes that's the way life is. Isn't it interesting how this psalm, in verses 2 and 3, we see these green pastures. These quiet waters, these right paths, and immediately in verse 4, we see this dark, dark valley. Isn't that the way life is? I mean, if you think God doesn't understand life, then you're not reading the Scripture. You're not understanding the Scripture, right? If you think that God is disconnected with what's going on in your world, in your life, where you live, at your street address, then you have missed the God of the Bible. Because He knows. He knows that one minute it's green grass and and as much water as you could ever want, and the next minute it's dry and it's dark and it's deep valley. Just like that. You probably had it happen this week. I mean, you're riding high one day and the next day, dark valley. God gets it. That's why he wrote the scripture for us. That's why he told David here, inspired him, helped him to understand what life is all about. Now, some versions will say this valley of the shadow of death. And, and that was a holdover. Just so you know, that's really not the best way to render this. It gives us a, a, a picture in our minds. But that was a holdover from a Greek translation of, of the Hebrew Old Testament that really is better rendered and it really does mean this dark, deep darkness kind of valley. It means a deep darkness. And I think we can relate to that. Sometimes it does feel like we're going to die and maybe that's the way that you need to think about it. But I wonder, what is your, what is your darkest valley? I mean, some of you, I, I, I know your stories. I just think, my goodness, what, a, what an incredible dark valley you've been through. Uh, you, you could tell the story, I don't have to. We've got parents who've lost children. We, we've got family members who, who don't speak to one another. We, we, we've got health issues that, that we're scared to death about. I mean, we go on and on and on and on and on. We've got depression, and we've got anxiety, and, we, and we've got all of these things, don't we? Dark valleys. It's your deep darkness, and maybe you're there right now. And I, I hope that if you are right there right now, that you realize you showed up on the right day to meet the Lord when we talk about the dark valley. That God had an appointment for you this morning. 
It's by no accident that you're here. Not to listen to me, but to hear from God. What is it that we, that we can learn through this particular dark valley? You know, even when and even though I'm going to trust the shepherd, what can we learn in the middle of it? Well, you know, one of the things that you pick up very quickly is that in the Christian life, life with Jesus does not mean always green pastures and quiet waters. I realize that maybe somebody that you've watched on television or maybe somebody that you've heard in the past has told you that if you just have enough faith, everything's going to go your way. That's a load of garbage. And that's as mildly as I can put it. If you understand what I mean. It's a load of garbage. Because life is not like that. I'm not trying to depress you this morning. I just want to tell you the truth. That when you follow Jesus, sometimes in order to get to greener pastures and more quiet waters, you will go through the dark valley. And He will lead you through it. He will take you there. You get that? I have trouble reconciling that. I'll be honest with you. I struggle with that. I just think, Lord, you're good. It ought to be all green pastures and quiet waters. But sometimes the shepherd takes us into, by his leading, into the dark valley. That's tough, but it's true. And so don't let anybody tell you that somehow, if you'll just have more faith, that it's your fault always that you're in that dark valley. Just pull yourself up with faith. Sometimes God took you there. I can't explain all that. I'm not going to try. But I know that it's true. It doesn't mean that when you follow Jesus that all the cares and troubles and pains of this world go away. It's not what it means. It just means that instead of facing them alone, now we face them in the presence of our shepherd who gave his very life for us. It just means that there may not be a way out. There's always a way through. So we worship him in the middle of this, not as a way of escape, but as a way of getting through. He is our only hope. I texted that to somebody this week, somebody that's just dealing with some difficult things, and I just said... I don't have much to say, but the Lord is your only hope. That's all I've got for you. We also learn that this valley is not a stopping place for believers. You, you see what, what David says, but even though I go where? Through. It's not a stopping place. You do not have to stop there. The shepherd leads you through. It, it's a traveling place from one spot to another. And so even when and even though I'm in that darkest valley, the deep darkness, guess what? I will trust my shepherd. Why? Because even in the valley, I have what I need. I have security, as we see in verses 4 and 5. And here's how God secures us. I have security. You'll see there on your handout. First of all, because he gives me courage. I have security. I have responsibility. First of all, I have security because he gives me courage. Look at verse 4. Even when I go through the darkest valley, what? I fear no danger. You're not that tough to fear no danger. You need courage. I need courage that only God can give me. Only my shepherd who walks beside me in the darkest valley can provide for me. And David says, nothing makes me tremble uncontrollably. Nothing keeps me miserable all the time. Nothing takes up all my time with anxiety. Because I fear nothing. Now you might say, well, he's superhuman. I, I, I don't think so. I think David had legitimate reason to fear. In fact... What we believe that during this time when he wrote this, his son, a man named Absalom, was trying to take over David's throne and kill him. You think he's not afraid? 
What he says, though, is in the middle of this, I trust my shepherd so much that he gives me courage so I don't have to fear. I don't have to live this life consumed by all this fear. And the truth is that many of us right now are dominated by fear. I've been there. We fear what might happen. We don't know if it will, but it might. We kind of laugh at that, but we spend a lot of anxious moments. Don't we worrying about, well, what if that happened? What if? What if? We, we fear what will happen. Well, that's going to happen. And so we're scared to death of it happening. Knowing there's nothing we can do to change it. For example, where, where's, where's Jimmy? Is Jimmy back in here? Morris? Jimmy Morris? Yeah. Jim, how, how many folks today? Did you count? 189. Thank you. There are 189 people here today. Uh, Sorry, I put you on the spot. (laughs) Do you realize how many of those 189, if the Lord does not return, are going to die? Somebody, y'all are smart. Somebody tell me. You can say 189, or you can say all of them. You can say 100%. We spend, how much time do people spend fearing death? Anything you can do about it? Man, I wish there were. Golly, I, I tell you, it'd be, I wish I could tell you that just, nah, it's not going to happen. We fear things that are going to happen and there's nothing we can do about it. We, we fear not being able to, to figure out how to handle what might or will happen. Well, I don't know what to do. We, we're scared of that. We, we fear a conversation or a situation or, or some confrontation that we'll have with people or, or failure or, or, or things changing or things not changing. I and mean, we're scared to death all the time. And I just wonder, are you tired of that yet? At what point will you say, enough? I'm done. I'm not living a life that's just pent up with fear all the time. I'm tired of that. Surely to goodness God has something different for me from them being scared of what could happen, what might happen, not knowing, and, and, and all of those things. Are you tired yet? This really kind of goes back to verse 1. We talk about the Lord as our shepherd. We have confidence in Him because He rules and He guides and He protects and He provides. We don't have to fear because we know Him. Yes, there are going to be things that trip you up. And I'm not saying that anybody who deals with anxiety is automatically in sin. Don't hear that. Because some of those things are very real and you've got to work through them. But I will say this, that those things do not have to rule your life. As you work through them, trust your shepherd. That's the step to take. That's what gets you through it. That's what helps you overcome those things. Courage can't come from you or from me, because I don't have it in me. It has to come from the Lord as my shepherd, from knowing Him. I can learn to have courage only when I walk closely with the shepherd. And so my responsibility is to trust Him. Even when and even though, I will trust Him. Because here's what His Word says. Write down this reference. Psalm chapter 27. You you flip over to it if you want to. Verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart is not afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, still I am confident. Really? Does that describe your life? Does it describe my life? That even when and even though, I will trust Him no matter what? You know, over and over in the Bible, more times than we can count, it says, fear not, do not be afraid, take courage. 
over and over, you think maybe there's something to it. The Lord gives me courage, so I trust Him. I also have security because in the darkest valley, He walks beside me. He walks beside me. Verse 4 says, I fear no danger, not because of how tough I am. Why? Because you are with me. God is there in the darkness. You say, I can't feel Him. Well, you have to trust He's there. He may not show up exactly the way that you would if you were Him. But His ways are always better. And peace in those situations comes not from escaping the valley, but from knowing that the shepherd is there. And it's interesting that David here is not talking about now he leads me, but now he's beside me. He leads me to the green pastures, leads me to the quiet waters, leads me on the right paths, but now in the valley, guess what? He's with me, right beside me. So if anything bad happens, if any of those fears come true, then I will depend upon the presence of the shepherd, his provision, his protection in my life. I will stay close to him. Let me, let me just say that this is a spiritual thing. There, there's, there's nothing that you need to do necessarily when it comes to being in the dark valley of just showing up to church more and being in a certain place and, well, I'm protected now. I hope that you come all the time. I really do, and I hope that it's a, bl- a blessing and a benefit to you. But this is a spiritual thing. This is your spirit connecting with His. This is trust. This is knowing and obeying His Word, even in the dark valley, walking beside Him. And so as He walks beside me, I have security, and my responsibility, again, is to trust Him. Some of you are going to be so good as to notice a pattern. I'll trust him even when and even though I'll trust my shepherd. Why? What does his word say? Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 puts it this way. God talking to a man named Joshua who was taking over leadership of the nation of Israel from the greatest leader they had ever known, Moses. Moses died. Joshua is put in his place. And let me tell you, he didn't know what to do. God shows up to him and he says, Moses is dead. You're in charge. Yeah. Okay. And here's what God told him. He said, no one, verse 5, Joshua 1, 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Let me ask you this. Are you any less of a child of God based upon your faith in Jesus than Joshua was? Are you any less? Now, God may not call you to lead an entire nation of people to conquer the promised land. I doubt that's going to happen in your life. But you are in a situation right now where you don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. It's a dark valley, and everything seems to cave in on you and overwhelm you. Guess what? You are no less a child of God if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ than Joshua was right then. That promise can still be for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even in the darkest valley, he walks beside me. Jesus would say himself, I'm the good shepherd. I never leave the sheep. In fact, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. If that's what it takes to get them to where they need to be, I will die for them. It's exactly what he did on the cross. He walks beside me, so I trust him. I have security also because he rescues and protects me. We just keep moving through these verses, and we get so much great truth. Verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've never seen a real shepherd, I'll just tell you. So I've never seen one with a rod and the staff. I, this, this 
I need a little explanation here. Maybe you do too. This may be a verse that you memorized when you were a kid, or maybe you heard it before at a funeral, and it just doesn't make any sense to you. Well, there were two main tools that the shepherd would, would have with him at all times. One would be a rod, kind of a club-like thing. The other is a staff, a little crook. And so one, the, the crook was for maybe to discipline, to get a wandering sheep back. Anybody ever wandered a little bit as a sheep? To get the sheep back where the sheep was supposed to be, because out on your own, it's dangerous. This would also be to rescue the sheep. I, I was reading this week, and if a sheep were to fall into sort of a, a little bit of a pit or a hole, it, it couldn't get itself out. And so the shepherd with the hook would just reach in and help pull out the sheep. You ever fallen somewhere and you say, I'm not sure how to get myself out of this situation. I need to be rescued. Or maybe you've really, really messed up in some situation. You say, Lord, I just ruined it all. And it's the Lord's shepherd's staff that can help to lead you and guide you out of that. He says this other one is, is the club. And that's not to beat the sheep. <laughs> Though I'm sure the shepherd from time to time would enjoy taking out a little bit of frustration on the sheep. If God knows us the way that he knows us, I'm sure from time to time we frustrate him. Just, just a little. This is for attackers. This is for beating away the enemies of the sheep. Those who would prey on the sheep and destroy them. David puts this in, in a picture that shows us that the ultimate shepherd, God himself, is able to rescue us from wherever we are, even by our own doing, and to protect us from enemies we may never even see. God can do that, and he does that for his sheep. And, and David says, those tools of the shepherd, what God does, what this shepherd does for me in rescuing and protecting, that gives me comfort. The shepherd can rescue and protect me no matter the circumstances. This help that comes from God, it gives me comfort because I know in every and in all circumstances I have His guidance and His protection and His rescue and even His correction comforts me because I know He hasn't left me alone. And so my responsibility, again, you guessed it, is to trust Him. Even when and even though I need to be rescued... I need to be protected. Even in those difficult situations, I will trust Him. What does His Word say? Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2 say it this way. <clears throat> the Lord talking to His people Israel, He says, Now this is what the Lord says, The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire, and the flame will not burn you. The Lord is there to protect, to rescue, and to overwhelm you with His presence rather than you being overwhelmed with your circumstances. He rescues me, protects me. I have security, so I trust Him. I also have security, we'll see in verse 5, because He wins the battles for me. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies. It's like a, a, a host laying out a feast for somebody. And, and this just so happens to be right in the middle of the battlefield. Now, football season is about to begin. And I know some of you really get into maybe high school or college or pro football. Imagine that, that one team who, who seems and appears to be defeated and devastated and overwhelmed, and they're getting beat by four or five touchdowns, they call timeout in the second quarter and they bring out the post-game celebration meal. Just right there on the field. 
You know, give us a second. We're going to celebrate the victory that we're going to win here. We would laugh at them. What are you doing? You're down by four touchdowns. Uh, your team's not any good. You, you, you can't do this. You're going you're gonna to sit there. The other team is, is winning, and, and they're laughing at you because here you go. You're gonna, the post-game spread, just bring it out at the 50-yard line, and hey, let's celebrate the victory. Now, as ridiculous as that sounds, that's what David is describing. It looks as if he says, I'm totally defeated. I have no hope. I can't do this. My team is terrible. It looks as if that's the case. But God, he says, calls timeout, sets up the post-game celebration meal, and we eat it right in front of the other team, laughing at them, taunting them. Why? Not because I can overwhelm them, because of who my shepherd is. He's already won the battle for me. That's not just a biblical cliche. You realize that? Well, God wins in the end. No, God's already won now. He doesn't just win in the end. Let's get over that. He's already won now. Right now, today, God is victorious. He's not waiting for something else. He is victorious right now. The ultimate victory, the consummation of all that, yes. The post-game meal yet to come. But God says, sit down right now, let's eat, and let's taunt the enemy, Satan himself, who cannot win, even when it appears that he is. That's what God invites us to. Have a seat. You've got everything you need right here in the middle of the battle. Right in the battlefield. Have a seat. In the presence of your enemies, those things that make life difficult for you, those people, they're, they're in your mind, they're sitting next to you. They're in your mind right now. There you are laughing because it's true, isn't it? Some of you are in trouble now. But you know those people that just make life so miserable for you? God says, you know what, just sit down in my presence. I have won that battle for you. You're victorious not because of yourself, but because of the host who set up the post-game celebration meal right in the middle of it. And with God as your host, the enemies, they pose no threat to Him. And as you hide behind Him, those enemies pose no threat to you. You want to get out in front and not be behind the shepherd, not walk with the shepherd, you're going to be exposed. But staying with Him, staying behind Him, you're always victorious. And so my responsibility, again, is to trust Him. Even when I'm losing on the battlefield, it seems. Even when I'm down by four touchdowns. Even though it looks as if there's no hope, I will trust my shepherd. Because here's what His Word says. Jesus said it this way in John 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. But be courageous. I've conquered the world. Not I will conquer... Not one day I hope to. I have conquered the world. 1 John 4, 4 puts it this way. You little children are from God, and you have conquered them, those enemies, those spiritual enemies, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You're in a spiritual battle, but God has already won it. He's not waiting for your faith to increase to win the battle. He's already won it. Just get behind Him. He wins the battle, so trust Him. And then finally, I have security because He loves me. Now, I know you've already guessed, trust Him, but don't close up just yet. I might, I might throw you a curveball. What if it's not trust Him? It's going to be tough on some of you, I know. There's OCD folks in the crowd. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's going to be trust Him because I'm just as much OCD. I, couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Just, I couldn't do it. Anyway, He loves me. Verse 6, look at it. Or verse, verse, the end of verse 5, rather, I'm sorry. 
You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. That song we sing, fill my cup, fill it up, make me whole. You anoint my head with oil. It, it, you're an honored guest of the Lord. This was a hospitality ritual, taking care of your guests. You know when you have somebody over and they're, they're sort of an honored guest, maybe, maybe it's not uh, your, your, your folks that, that you've been around all the time and, and you, yeah, you know, just take care of yourself. This is, this is a picture of extre- an extremely honored guest. And they walk into your home and you take their coat and you give them, guys, you give them your chair. And that's a big deal. I mean, it, I mean it's your, it fits you. I mean, it's your recliner, guys. I mean, that's what we're talking. You're, you're giving that up. And you say, what can I get you? And you don't want them to have to get up for anything. I mean, you serve them over and over and over. And you just lavish on them as much hospitality and welcoming atmosphere as you can. That's what David's telling us that God does. He loves you so much. Just overwhelms you with all the blessings that only he can offer, even in the darkest valley. Even when and even though God still loves you. And he still wants to have your cup overflow, just just overflowing with the blessings that his presence brings. And so the responsibility, of course, is to trust him. Why would you not trust somebody who loves you so much? Unless you don't believe that he loves you. His word tells us that he loves us so much as we just look at some verses very simply that we recognize in Romans chapter 3 that all of us are, are sinners, dead in our tracks, deserving of nothing, Romans 6 tells us, but death and hell and punishment forever. That's it. Bad news. Game over. Pack it up. Go home. And yet in Romans 5, the Bible tells us that in order to demonstrate his love for us, even though and even when we were sinners, Jesus died for us to demonstrate his love. Not not out of just some mere duty, that's what God told him to do. Well, sure, he was obedient to his father. But out of his love, to demonstrate his love for sinners just like you and me, he went to the cross and died, gave up his life. And his love extends to the fact that by his grace we have the opportunity, Romans 10 tells us, to confess that he is Lord, to believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, and to call on the name of Jesus, and we will be saved. Saved from what? From the wrath of God on sin. Not saved just so our life can be better. But saved because apart from Jesus we stand condemned. Sentenced to die for our sins. Understand that. But by calling on the name of Jesus, confessing Him as Lord, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved from that for all eternity. There's complete security in that kind of love that I'm welcomed into His presence and showered with blessings and as an honored guest because He loves me so much. First John tells us that there's no fear. I have total security in that kind of love because perfect love, the kind that comes from God, casts out all fear. I don't have to worry if I'm secure in his presence. I don't have to worry if he loves me. I don't have to worry if he's going to throw me out of the house because he's not. Because he loves me. And so this week, I, I hope you hear the message. And this week, even when that happens, and even though that happens, I will trust my shepherd. 
I'm going to know and I'm going to even pray it and I'm going to obey God's Word this week and I will trust Him. Because even in my sin, even in all of that, Jesus died for me. He loves me. And I've got total security in Him. So even when and even though, trust Jesus. Trust Him. Walk with Him this week. Know and pray and obey His Word. How do you demonstrate that you trust Him? You know and you pray and you obey His Word. You say, is that it? That's all I got. I think it's pretty simple. And say it was easy, but it's simple. To know His Word. To pray Psalm chapter 23, that even when and even though, Lord, I'll fear no danger. And then to obey it. To simply put your trust in Him. Let's pray together. If you need opportunity to pray, now's a good time for that. I've mentioned a lot about Jesus and a lot about His salvation that He offers. And the fact that, that we deserve death apart from Him. If, if you'd like to know more about that, if you're confused or you say, today I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you when we stand to sing in a moment, come and tell me. You don't answer to me, but I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to help you understand maybe more what that means. And as you do all of that, I really just want to encourage you, even though and even when, trust your shepherd this week. He loves you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to call you our shepherd. Lord Jesus, we're grateful to call you the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for the security that we have in you, even in the darkest valley. God, help us to remember that this week. Help us to trust you.